eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. It's another beautiful day for baseball in Los Angeles. And baseball podcast. Josh Schaefer and Blake Harris cover everything Dodgers right here on Inside the Ravine. How's it going, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Inside the Ravine. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Josh Schaefer. I'm your host, Blake Harris. Now, Josh, we talked last week about, you know, posting an episode sometime this week. The idea of that was just to be going over the latest that we've seen in spring training, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. We've already had three games under our belt. There is, you know, a lot to discuss. But unfortunately, we're not going to be talking about any of that stuff today because it doesn't really matter what pitcher's throwing one scoreless inning. It doesn't matter which rookie had a nice looking double because literally the worst possible outcome that could have happened, you know, in spring training or just in a baseball game in general, it happened a couple days ago, and that's the injury to Gavin Lux. We were going to possibly record an episode yesterday, but we wanted to kind of wait and see what the full extent of the injury was. Well, we got that yesterday morning, a torn ACL for Gavin Lux, an injury you pretty much rarely see in Major League Baseball. It's more of a football injury, but his 2023 season is officially over before it even could begin. So I just want to go to you first and hear what your initial thoughts were when you saw the injury and when you uh, heard the news yesterday morning. Yeah, I mean, that's it's just disappointing. When I saw the news actually come out, uh, I wasn't really shocked because we see, you know, for, for those of us that have watched the, the, the replay multiple times, um, you can kind of see where it happens. Um, and to me, it looked like an ACL, just the way that he reacted to it and the way that the injury happens in, in a non-contact situation um, wasn't sliding wasn't you know you said like football um wasn't getting hit or anything like that um kind of just running to third and when he goes to make that cut almost like a football player to avoid um to avoid the throw is when he like tweaks his knee um and and it definitely didn't look good but to me it looked like an acl so when you see it come out you know i'm not super surprised but it's definitely disappointing because 
I mean, just think about it. How many questions do we get about Gavin Lux, you know, for each episode? I mean, it's got to be we, we answer a Gavin Lux question. Um, we probably get them every episode. I'd say we answer one every other episode at this at this rate going into this season. So it's definitely disappointing. We both thought that he was going to be he was bound to have a really big year for the Dodgers and play a really important role. So it's it's definitely disappointing to see. Um, and I mean, the way that he even said, I mean, he was choked up when he was talking to the media after the news came out and he was saying he should have just worn it. Like he should have just taken that throw in the face, but but like, I get it. You know, you make that move, you try to protect yourself and it just ends up having a completely different effect. So I feel awful for him. And, um, and obviously it's going to be tough for the team to, to recover at this point too. So um, wishing the best for him, obviously, but we'll, we'll have to go in and talk about what the Dodgers options are at this point now too. Yeah. Yeah, you briefly just mentioned, you know, when Gavin Lux spoke to the media yesterday, he spoke for about four to five minutes. I trimmed it to about 45 seconds, and I, I do want to play it because in case there are people out there that haven't listened to it, this is a rarity because I, I can't remember the last time I saw an interview with any sort of professional athlete where they're essentially breaking down crying and they can't speak we've kind of seen it in the past like maybe after they're eliminated from like the playoffs and they're just heartbroken that they lost but seeing a player get choked up like this uh it was painful so here's about 45 seconds of that interview of uh, gavin Lux talking to the media yesterday yeah uh it's it's <sighs> um yeah, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking, you know. Uh, you put in a lot of time and, and work and, you know, really enjoy the guys in the clubhouse. And the hardest part is just not being able to, to be on the field, for sure. I feel like pretty much everybody has came up to me and, you know, give me a hug. And uh, it just shows you how, uh, you know, how, how good these guys in this clubhouse are. <laughs> I think every baseball player's dream is to play shortstop for, for the Los Angeles <coughs> Los Angeles Dodgers. So, um, yeah, I think that's one of the hardest parts. Now, I don't know about you, Josh, but I mean, being a fan of, you know, the Dodgers, being a fan of, you know, basketball teams, you know, football teams, you're a fan of, you know, hockey. There have been probably, you know, hundreds of injuries to our favorite teams, you know, over the course of our life. And for some reason, Gavin Lux, who, you know, is not a top five player on the Dodgers. You know, it's not like they're losing an MVP caliber player. They're not losing like an all-star caliber player. But for me, with this entire injury, and especially after seeing his interview yesterday, I don't know why, but this is like the most sad I think I've ever been when it comes to any injury on one of my teams. Just because I think, like you talked about, this entire off offseason, a Gavin Lux question every episode, he was supposed to be the guy. This, I think, is going to be his fifth season in which he's finally going to be, like, the starting shortstop, you know, for the Dodgers. He came up as a shortstop, but due to guys in front of him, he never got a chance to play. It seems like every player on the team this offseason talked about Gavin Lux just putting in an insane amount of work, and this is finally going to be his chance. And again, I think it's just the fact that, one, it was an injury that happened in spring training, and really outside of a, a pitcher needing Tommy John surgery, a position player missing an entire season from beginning to end, 
is such a rarity. And again, the fact that it happened on a free play, like you mentioned, non-contact, it's just like, I, it's so depressing and it's just so sad just how this whole thing has just unfolded. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. Um, and, and I agree. It's been one of the more disappointing injuries just because, um, like you mentioned, he has not played a ton of shortstop for the Dodgers, even though he was selected as one. Um, but again, you know, he's worked his way up. He's worked his way into this opportunity now. Um, and you and I were texting a friend the other day, and I thought this was funny because um, the Dodgers, you look at the Dodgers' last few shortstops, and you have Manny Machado, Corey Seager, Trey Turner, just elite baseball talent in that small group. And then the next name that you're going to mention, at least going into the season, would have been Gavin Lux. And it's funny to put Gavin Lux up there with those three because I think those three are some of the best players in baseball. I don't know if Lux is there yet, but that shows his trajectory, I think, of where he's gone, of the guys that he's had to sit behind to get his opportunity. And now he was here ready to kind of, you know, take on the brunt of the shortstop position this season. And obviously, you've got Rojas, you've got maybe Chris Taylor, and 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 you've got some other guys who might be able to fill that role at least a little bit going forward. But you had him going to take on the brunt of all of that after having a pretty good season this past year too and really working his way up for the opportunity to most likely be the Dodgers' everyday shortstop. So I think that's what's most disappointing because, no, you're not, you know, of course, knock on wood, losing a, a Freddie Freeman or a Mookie Betts or, or any, any, anything like that. But you're losing a guy who is going to be a key player on the team and had worked up for that opportunity. Um, and so that's what I think is most disappointing. And, and again, you know, we were expecting him to have a good season. So, and then we've talked about that a bunch of times on the show at this point. So that's, I think what's most disappointing about it. Um, and, uh, and the Dodgers are going to have to move on and try to fill that void now. Yeah. I mean, you transition us into the next topic because as painful as this injury is, you know, as sad as you feel for Gavin Lux, when you take the whole situation out of it, you need to go to the baseball part of it. And the Dodgers' depth was already pretty thin, and we've talked about this again numerous times this offseason, especially with their infield. They've made some nice additions with the outfield this offseason, but outside of Miguel Rojas, who they traded for, you know, a couple months ago, your options are, are really thin. You have Yanni Hernandez, who is likely going to have to probably step up and play a bigger role, but he was a guy that you weren't necessarily hoping would need to see significant playing time. You know, right after the injury, you know, I sent you a text saying, okay, Michael Bush, like, now is your time, and you replied saying, not like this. You know, we, we wanted Michael Bush to see consistent playing time, but not like this. So with the Dodgers now, Gavin Lux, he was likely going to be your everyday shortstop. He's out of the equation. And when looking at your options, I mean, Josh, how, how grateful, I guess, are the Dodgers now that they made that trade for Miguel Rojas? Because had they not traded for him, your options would literally be Chris Taylor and then, yeah, a Jacob Amaya with no big league experience. So you do have a really solid backup plan in Miguel Rojas, who we know we've talked about defensively is one of the better shortstops in all of baseball, but he doesn't offer you a whole lot offensively. So the Dodgers are going to take a significant hit there, but if it's not Miguel Rojas, Josh, it looks like it's going to be Chris Taylor. And if something happens to one of those two guys, you might have to, uh, you know, go get a hammer and break the emergency glass situation because it's going to be bad for the Dodgers. Yeah. And I think that there's a couple of different ways Dodgers can go about it. Number one, you can start working out, um, 
Chris Taylor at shortstop again. And then obviously you have Miguel Rojas. And like you mentioned, so this is your two immediate options to get somebody at short. I think you could also like, again, like we talked about, I think at this point, there's probably a much better chance that Michael Bush ends up on the opening day roster. Um, he, he's somebody who did not naturally play a lot of second base um, through college. He played a couple of different other, a couple other different positions at North Carolina um, in the Cape league, started working out at second base and then was drafted as a second baseman without any, you know, real second base experience. And that's kind of where he's been in the Dodgers organization ever since. And he's been impressive. Um, so you can call up one of the Dodgers best prospects and Michael Bush to take over a little bit more of a role at second base, free up guys like Rojas and Taylor to play elsewhere. Um, or, and I think that this is another option because of course um, the Dodgers have said that they're going to start using Mookie at second base a little bit more often than in the past. If the Dodgers explore, Another trade and something that we talked about earlier this season was Brian Reynolds. Um, and he had requested a trade from the pirates. Um, if the Dodgers decide to pull the trigger on a trade, I think that that's something you could explore because Brian Reynolds is an outfielder, but he's got a decent bat. He's a career 280 hitter. Um, last year he had another really good season, um, for the pirates. He, uh, hit 27 home runs, had a 262 clip and an OPS plus at 126. So an OPS at 807. So, I mean, he, this is also coming off of an all-star season in 2021. So um, I think that if you go out and you secure somebody like Brian Reynolds, something we talked about a little bit in the past, maybe that frees up Mookie to play a little bit more in the infield um, takes a little bit more of the, the stress of playing in the infield and every day away from Chris Taylor, away from Rojas, away from Mookie Betts. Um, that's something they could do. But again, when we had first talked about the Brian Reynolds option, you and I both kind of said, maybe pump the brakes a little bit. So maybe see where you're at mid season before you jump on a move like that. So, um, and I'm still kind of on that train a little bit here. Um, of kind of see what happens at the start of the season and then maybe maybe start exploring a move later on. Yeah, I mean, it, you could get really, you know, deep, deep into trade talks with a variety of players. I mean, obviously, a lot of people are saying they could trade for a shortstop. I'm not sure how many shortstops are available because, Josh, I went and looked at the free agents currently available, and it is disgusting. It's Stars. like uh, yeah. it's like uh, hide the children. Like, they're coming through the back door, hide the children. <laughs> Yeah, you want to make sure your children are safe. That's how scary it is to look at. So free agency-wise, I don't think they're going to make a move. But like you said, you know, maybe kind of thinking outside the box. You don't have to necessarily trade for a shortstop. But Dave Roberts did talk about Mookie Betts now potentially seeing more time in second base. Another thing we talked about this offseason, Mookie has said he's willing in the future to come in and play second base, which is his natural position. So let's say the Dodgers opt to play Mookie more at second base. Well, Miguel Vargas, he does have experience in left field. You can now shift him to left field. And, you know, if the Dodgers acquire Brian Reynolds, put him in center field and then put, you know, Trace Thompson, James Outman, Jason Hayward, you can put them in right field so there's a lot of different configurations the Dodgers can't do if they opt to go down the route of trading for someone I don't think they necessarily have to but yeah the the scary thing is and I, I saw this you know on Twitter yesterday it's the fact that the debt was already going to be tested but if something were to happen to Chris Taylor or to Miguel Rojas it's going to be a really bad situation because 
the Dodgers don't have anyone in the minors that is MLB ready that can play shortstop now. I don't know Miguel Vargas, Michael Bush. I don't know what kind of experience they have necessarily at shortstop. Maybe the Dodgers opt to potentially, you know, let them learn the position a little. But this is just an injury that really hurts the Dodgers overall. And it's going to be interesting. I guess the only silver lining, Josh, if you can even find one with this Gavin Lux injury, is the fact that it happened in only the third game of spring, where had this been, you know, opening day is literally two or three days away, you're kind of screwed because now you have to enter the season where you're going to be experimenting with a lot of different options. Now, at least the Dodgers, they have four weeks where they can experiment guys, you know, in different positions. I think Chris Taylor is going to be a shortstop today. Miguel Rojas was there yesterday. In spring training, you can put a guy like Michael Bush at shortstop and just see how it goes. I mean, I remember a couple years ago, I think they put Gavin Lux at third base just to see how that experiment would happen. And that was during the regular season. Obviously, it didn't work, but they experimented him there for a couple games. The Jog Peterson first base experience a couple years ago, that didn't go well, but they still experimented for a couple of games. So maybe the Dodgers opt to do something like that there, but... Miguel Rojas, he's going to have to step up. Chris Taylor's going to have to step up. Michael Bush, who we talked about, likely wasn't going to be on the opening day roster. He's probably looking at a roster spot now, and he's going to have to step up. So there have to, there are going to be a lot of guys that the Dodgers are going to have to ask even more from, you know, with the injury to Gavin Lux. And one other thing that I wanted to mention, Josh, this was actually going to be, you know, had the injury not happened, one of my main talking points I would have wanted to hear your thoughts on for whenever our next episode was going to be. And that was the fact that, Mookie Betts, I don't know if you heard this the other day, pretty much came out and said, I don't care about hitting leadoff anymore. Like, that's something I wanted to do when I came over here in 2020, but I'm at the point now in my career, I don't necessarily care when to hit leadoff. And I was going to say, Gavin Lux would be the perfect, the ideal yeah. leadoff candidate. And I even, you know, wrote an article the morning of saying, if it's not Mookie Betts, it needs to be Gavin Lux because he gets on base. He has speed. He can steal bases. He's the kind of guy you want as your leadoff hitter. But with Gavin Lux injured now, Josh, I don't know if there's anyone that you could think of that could be a potential leadoff candidate because it kind of started and ended with Gavin Lux for me. Yeah, that's kind of where I was at too. I mean, if Chris Taylor gets the bat going again, maybe that's somebody you can throw up there. Yeah. But really, other than that, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head who I think would fill that role better than those two guys. Again, it's just amazing that, you know, no offense to Gavin Lux, but he's not a top five bat in this lineup. But the injury to him, just when you look across the board, how many different areas it affects. Just a brutal, brutal loss for the Dodgers. Hopefully he's able to come back in 2024. Luckily, he's still young. I think he's still only 24, 25. So he'll be able to recover. No problem at all. Josh, before we take a quick break, just any final just thoughts, words on this whole, again, situation as a whole? Yeah, they don't really know how long the recovery could take. I know that they had originally guessed eight months. Um, but yeah, so that, that, that you know, means that he's going to be shut down pretty much for the season. But obviously just wishing him the best. It's terrible that it happens in this in this situation. Uh, and, and wishing Gavin Lux all the best. All right, so we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're just going to wrap up the show sharing our quick thoughts on all the new rule changes that have all of social media talking after only a couple of days. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, Josh, I just want to quickly, you know, hear your thoughts on this before I wrap up, you know, today's episode. Obviously, we've talked about numerous rule changes that have happened over the offseason. We have a pitch clock. We have larger bases. The shift is no more. What are your thoughts just after a few days of spring training in regards to uh, these these new rules? And what are your takeaways from them so far? Well, I don't think that it's anything egregious. Um, which is nice. And I know that a lot of the players have said the same thing too. Um, with that being said, we did get to see uh, Manny Machado become the first player to have an automatic strike called on him. Um, so, you know, there's that. Um, and then also there was the the Red Sox game. I forget who they were playing. They're playing the Braves. Um, Red Sox Braves ends in a tie because the, the last batter of the game was called out on automatic strike three. Um, so that's interesting. I, I hope, I hope we don't see that in the regular season because that would be terrible. Um, but you know what? Uh, games have been going faster. Um, we've talked about um, at least my experience this last year during the summer, seeing the pitch clock in minor league baseball a couple of times and the games just felt a lot shorter, maybe not during the game, but after the game, you'd look and be like, wow, the game has gone pretty quick. Um, and last year, um, minor league games across all of minor league baseball were cut by an average of 25 minutes. And so far through the spring games have been cut by an average of 20 minutes um, for this year's spring training. So I think that's great. Um, it's not like you're shortening a game by an hour and a half here and you're only at the park for an hour. Like it's not anything crazy, but when you're coming off of the all time high um, for game length in major league baseball history, three years in a row, um, I think this is good, you know, to cut it down a little bit. And it's not just the pitch clock that's speeding the games up. And I know that that's what's uh, that's what people are going to talk about. But um, I'm not saying necessarily the shift in the new bases impact that very much, but also pickoff attempts. There's a limit on that now. That's something I didn't even remember until we got going in spring training was you can only have two pickoff attempts per plate appearance. So I think that's speeding up the games a little bit. And so far, I mean, I've got no complaints. I'm in on it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's too early to really see a difference in regards to the shift, in regards to the bases. I like them both. I'm in favor. Like you said, the pickoff one, I think it's, yeah, if you don't get, you know, the third attempt, I think if you don't get them, they get to advance a base, which I think is great because I hate those at-bats when there's like eight pickoff attempts, but... I'm a fan so far of the pitch clock. I do think that it's going to take some time still to get used to. I I want there to be, because you talked about that game the other day in spring training where it was a tie game, bases loaded, bottom of the ninth, and it was like an automatic strike, I think, to end the game. Hopefully we don't get stuff like that during the regular season. Maybe if they can somehow, I'm sure by then players aren't even going to deal with it. Like we're not going to have something like that during the regular season, but I would hate for there to be a situation like that actually matter. So Maybe something like if there's a full count, the pitch clock goes away. And I would also like to see, because it seems like the number one issue in regards to the pitch clock 
is on the very first pitch just because no player really understands how much time they have when they come from you know the on-deck circle to get into the box there's some confusion there so maybe if they took the pitch clock away for the very first pitch and then again if there's like a full count because i don't think that there should be a strikeout or a walk via the pitch clock but i get you have to enforce it some way but i'm on board because josh these games i mean Baseball games, I know, like you said, they've been like averaging over three hours and ten minutes the last couple of years. It's been getting absurd. I don't know about you, but having these games last two and a half hours is fantastic. I absolutely love it. I think there was a Dodger game the other day that was two hours and twenty minutes long. I know a lot that's of great. people out there are like, "Oh, you can't speed up baseball." Like that's the beauty of it. I don't know about you, Josh, but uh, unless I'm sitting like dugout club, unlimited food and drinks right behind home plate. I don't want to be sitting at Dodger Stadium watching a three and a half to four hour game. Unless it's a playoff game, that's fine. But I don't want to be watching a three and a half to four hour regular season nine inning game. Look, I, as I, as, I don't as want that. As long as I'm there long enough for the thirty dollars parking to be worth it. That's, yes, <laughs> that's how that's how I see it. As long yeah. as the game is long enough for the thirty dollar parking fee to be completely worth it, then I'm there. I'm here for it. So yeah, I'll I'll, I'll pay the ten dollars for a beer. Um, I'll pay the $8 for the small Dodger dog, like whatever it is. Like I'll, I'll pay all that. No question. I'll do that. But then again, I'm not going to do that multiple times in one game. I'm just not that kind of guy that's going to go get multiple hot dogs at a game. That's going to go get an ice cream and then fries and then this and that. Like I'll go and get my one thing at the game and then yeah. I'll grab a beverage. And that's my day at the park. Like I'm not going to keep going back. So if you are one of those types of people and that's totally fine if you want to do that, but guess what? saving money at this point because the game's shorter so, yeah i was gonna say you're gonna have to start not? planning now because when people go to dodgers games you know there are insane lines everywhere you go and even then like there have been times where i just go to a game and i get in line to get a dodger dog i come back and the half inning's already gone you might be missing a full inning now so you got to go in with a strate- strategic plan you got to know okay i'm getting my dodger dog i'm getting my nachos i'm getting my beer before the game starts and that's it. We're tapping out. No more. Because it's at the point now, Josh, if you decide in the top of the second inning, I can go for a Dodger Duck right now. You might be coming back and it's the bottom of the fourth. So I do think a lot of fans are going to have to work around this new, you know, sp- this new speed of the game because it's a lot. And I, I kind of like it more because as well, it just it makes the bats more exciting because I don't know if you saw that clip, Josh, of Pedro Baez from a couple years ago. Yeah. And I think and it was like a side with Landon Mack. I mean, it's unbelievable. Now, I'm not, you know, going to make a, you know, situation to Pedro Baez, but there are a number of pitchers out there where they could throw five pitches in one at bat, and it's a two-minute at bat, and you're on your phone, you're scrolling, and there's 30 seconds that have gone by, and there's not going to be a pitch. Now, it's kind of like every 10 to 15 seconds, there's a pitch, so you kind of got to be more aware. So, I got no problem if games are two hours and 20 minutes, two hours and 30 minutes. We're still getting the same amount of production. We're still getting the same amount of excitement. We're just speeding it up just a little. And Josh, just to, I wanted to hear a quick thought on your end. As a broadcaster who's had to broadcast hundreds of baseball games, what were your what would your thoughts be instead of having to call a three and a half hour game, only having to call a two and a half hour game? Well, I think that's great because um, a lot of my experience was in the Cape League um, with guys like Michael Bush and. Uh, we were in a nice town, a vacation town. Uh, there were a lot of not not many big restaurants. Everything was very local. So, you know, if it's Tuesday and your game's at seven, 
Game's three hours long. Guess what? Everything in town's closed by the time you want to go out and get food after the game. So I'm all in on it. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of that. And, and let me just say, our we, you and I did a summer internship together doing baseball, and I was calling games. And those games were not very fun. They no. were not very good. So you could get by the sixth inning, and you're like, can we just speed this up, please? <laughs> so so, so right. I'm, I, I'm in on it. I'm in on it. I mean, the sport that I do now professionally has a clock, and it's great. Yeah, I was going to say, for other sports, there's a clock you're having to constantly talk about for baseball. In my one and a half games of experience, Josh, for that one time I called a few innings with you, and then one time at Arizona State, for some reason, the uh, sports director, who I believe might just be your your roommate, gave us the keys to uh, call an Arizona State baseball game. And I will say, it is hard to just shoot it for three and a half hours. I have always said... People are like, oh, hockey's got to be really hard, right? And I'm like, well, yeah, because it's fast. But, like, I think baseball is way harder to do because yeah. pitch clock or not, like, you've got to have some filler. You've got to be a good storyteller. You've got to yeah. have good descriptors in your vocabulary. Um, and, like, it, it's it's hard to do alone sometimes. Um, I've had to do that a hundred times. But, look, I mean, I, I think it's harder because you have to fill all that to fill all that time. Um, and you've got to keep somebody entertained that whole time. So that's what Vin Scully was great at. Um, but now you add in the pitch clock and things are a little bit easier. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so far it's been only a few games. I really like it. I'm on board with it. I like speeding up the game. And like I said, we'll, we'll learn more about the shift, stolen bases, all that kind of stuff once we get more of a sample size. But I think everything overall is really going to help baseball out. So that does wrap it up for today's episode of Inside the Ravine. Unfortunately, you know, we had to talk about something pretty sad. Hopefully, the next episode, Josh, we're talking about storylines coming out of spring training. We're talking about players that are really emerging as potential, you know, 40-man roster guys. And there's just better stuff to talk about than a season-ending injury after a few days of spring training. So, before we part ways for this episode, Josh, any uh, final words, final thoughts, final comments on your end? Yeah, hopefully something a little bit more interesting to talk about next week um, from, a, from a Dodgers perspective, we'll say. Yeah, so hopefully a lot more. Again, Dodgers essentially play every day, so stay tuned for all that kind of fun stuff. Make sure, if you guys haven't already, to follow us on social media, whatever app you use. We're on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Just go to the handle at Inside the Ravine. You guys can find us there. We're also on Odyssey Sports. You can find us on the Odyssey app. We are brought to you by Odyssey. We're also on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts and pretty much any platform you guys get your podcast on, so make sure to find us there. For Josh Schaefer, this has been Blake Harris. Thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, we hope you enjoy the rest of your day, wherever you may be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.